Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 26th day of April. I'm Paul White, and I'm so thankful you're with me today. Let's get into the 49th chapter of Genesis. Let me set this week up. We're going to finish today, tomorrow, Wednesday, and Thursday. That takes us up through the 29th of April. We are going to finish the 49th and 50th chapters of Genesis, just hitting the highlights, of course. That will close out the Genesis journey And then on Saturday, the 30th day of April, we will present the DDP essay edition. And then on Sunday, May the 1st, we are going to begin a look at the New Testament book of 1 Timothy. I haven't worked 1 Timothy on the podcast in a long, long time. I'm not entirely sure we ever have both 1, we're going to go 1 and 2 Timothy Um, It's been long enough that we need to take a journey back into that again, and so we'll be looking at Paul's, uh, what are commonly thought of to be Paul's prison letters to his young pastor, Timothy. So that gives you a few days to peek ahead and check out the the two little epistles near the end of the New Testament, and uh, just know that we'll start laying the groundwork on that beginning on Sunday, May the 1st on the podcast. Okay, today... We are in Genesis 49. I told you we would cover Judah as Jacob is blessing his sons. Judah definitely deserves his own day, and that's what we'll try to accomplish today. The text covers the 8th through the 11th verses. Actually, I'm sorry, the 8th through the 12th verses. Uh, Let's start in verse 8. Maybe we can get through this today. If not, we definitely want to give Judah the time that he needs because this, of course, is the tribe that will produce the Lord Jesus. Out of Judah comes Jesus. And Judah, whose name in the Hebrew means praise, um, becomes the, the title in the book of Revelation when you see the lamb as if it had been slain. It is described, it looks like a lamb that is slain, but it is described as the lion of the tribe of Judah which shows us that Judah makes it into Revelation as the title of the nation from which Jesus comes. The lion grows out of the prophecy of Genesis 49, which we're about to see in a moment, but he always manifests himself as a slain lamb, and it's one of the great, I I like to call it one of the great comedic moments of the Bible where you say, let me show you what the lamb looks like, And then you see that it's actually, or the lion looks like, I'm sorry, and you see that it's actually a slain lamb. So it doesn't mean that the lion is a pussycat. It means that the lion derives his authority from being the slain lamb. So he doesn't derive his authority in the way that the lions of the world derive their authority because lion throughout the Bible has a relatively negative connotation as being the predator. But the prophecy of the lion that will become the lion of the tribe of Judah starts here in Genesis 49. Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down before you. Now listen to this in verse 9. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. Now, 
That phrase, a lion's whelp, is an old English word for cub. Judah is a lion's cub. And here we see Judah as a young lion, which leads to the Revelation prophecy from Revelation 5.5, where he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus is. That means as we read backwards, knowing what we know about Revelation, filter that through what we know about Jesus, take that all the way back into the Genesis account, knowing that Jesus comes from Judah, you have Judah in the earliest stages as the tribe that will produce the lion's, it's only a lion's cub here, but will eventually produce the lion. That allows you to see Jesus into the text. So Judah's a lion's whelp from the prey, my son, you've gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall rouse him? And then listen to this from 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. And a scepter and a lawgiver speaks of the scepter, of course, speaks of the king. That's what a king carried. The lawgiver, um, this has been translated elsewhere as the ruler staff. And so you've got two different sorts of allegories, the scepter, which is a sign of the king, the ruler staff, which in some ways is a sign, the lawgiver, uh, a sign of um, the shepherd or the, the law. Christ is crowned king and Christ is known as the fulfillment of the law. Shiloh, this has been kind of confusing for Bible scholars because um, it's a place as well as could be a name. Some understand Shiloh as a sort of a place name from like Joshua 18 where we find a place called Shiloh. So until Judah makes it to Shiloh, or it could be a reference to tribute. Some translations even say until tribute comes to him. Uh, But I think it's a messianic term because Shiloh in the Hebrew means peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. And so this sort of subsequent mention of dominion over people or peoples uh, points to the final realization of this prophecy in sort of a universal messianic reign of Christ. So God's plan for mankind to handle the earth, to have rule and have dominion over the earth is consecrated by God and Jesus is the full consummation of that. So the scepter shall not depart from Judah, though the lawgiver from between his feet. From between his feet is an old way of saying you won't have a child. Uh, there will not be a lawgiver born greater than the lawgiver of Judah. And of course, that's going to be Jesus. To him shall be the obedience of the people. I want to take you to the 11th verse tomorrow because there's another messianic moment in Judah's story that gets fulfilled in Christ. We'll look at that together. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.